Welcome to the Tim Fowler Show, where production is paramount and we discuss the tools, time, and people associated with getting jobs done and making a profit. On today's episode of the Tim Fowler Show, we will be talking about shedding light on the darkness with the help of special guest Chris Bache of Hatch in Richmond, Virginia. Alongside Tim Fowler, I'm your co-host Steve Wheeler. Here is the Tim Fowler Show. Hi everyone, Tim Fowler here and welcome to another episode of the Tim Fowler Show. Like we always do, we encourage you to send in ideas, not only for guests, but also for topics. And perhaps you want to be a guest on the show. If that's the case, send me a note at, to Tim at RemodelersAdvantage.com, and then we can talk about it. So there's an amazing amount of information out there on what I didn't know, but it's called CX, the customer experience. If you Google it, you'll find all kinds of answers. Uh, but the challenge that I found was there was nothing in there about the remodeling world. So we had to look at it and say, you know, maybe customers are customers. You know, it doesn't really matter whether you're dealing with buying a car or buying a, an addition or, you know, whatever it is, customers are customers. So I've done some training in the customer experience situation, and I've identified like six different parts in our process where we either really win the client or we lose the client. And some are very predictable. And then there's one at least that I think most people are missing, and that's what we're talking about on the podcast today. So if you ever work with a client that just seemed to count the nails you used, and questioned every little thing you did. You know, during the sales process, pretty happy, pretty excited about getting things going, making sure everything was working well. And then when they got into the construction phase, they turned into kind of like a construction Nazi. Well, there's a basic human reaction to any relationship that's really important to mention here. So I read about this first in a book called The Great Game of Business by Jack Stack. Now, he's talking about this in the context of employees, and if they don't know what's going on, then they start making up stories. But the basic idea is this. In the absence of information, people will fill in the blanks. In other words, if there's silence, they're going to start filling in that silence. And then the corollary to it is that most of the time they go negative. There's a few people out there that, you know, they, they, they're always happy. They always think happy thoughts. They always think positive things, but there's not many of us, right? No, I'm not one of them. Don't let me fool you there. But we go negative. We fill in the blanks with something negative. So what we're looking at today is that time in the sales production process of the job right after the handoff, where it's very likely the client is not heard from the builder remodeler and they start to go negative. They start to create an experience that isn't what we want them to have. There's a chance that in that, in that time frame, you've emotionally lost the client. 
And that's where they start counting nails and asking questions and wanting to make sure that every little thing is done their way. And by the way, it, this is often where that endless punch list starts. Steve, let's get started. All right. So Chris Bache is the CEO and co-founder at Hatch. Hatch is a messaging app specifically built for the remodeling industry that centralizes and automates homeowner communication. They're based in Richmond, Virginia, and was started in 2017. Hatch began as a trial. Chris and his partner, Bill Violante, were asked by a local Pella franchise to help solve a huge blind spot in their business, follow-up and customer experience. That's when the idea for Hatch was, well, hatched and word spread like wildfire through the Pella, through other Pella franchises, and then eventually into other areas of the industry. Welcome to the show, Chris. Hey, Tim, Steve, thanks so much for having me. So let's just start off. Almost all of our guests, I like to give them a chance just to tell us a little bit about their company, partly so that we understand a little bit about your experience, but also for being on the show, we appreciate it. And we like to give you a little bit of exposure. What is Hatch? And how can you explain that to us in a way that would help us understand what it does? Yeah, great question. I mean, Hatch is a, is a messaging platform built specifically for home improvement and home service businesses. And uh, the, the way it started, actually, Steve kind of nailed it. You know, a buddy of ours who owns a home improvement business uh, doing about at the time, I think about eight million dollars in revenue. You know, maybe right. twenty-five employees, just to paint the picture. Uh, and he came to us and said, "It's so interesting. You know, post-sale, uh, we don't talk to our customers at all, and my cancel rate uh, <laughs> is high is higher than I'd like it. If you've ever heard that before, right? Tim. And uh, and we said, well, let's see if we can help. And and we started reaching out to customers, but they didn't answer their phone, and a lot of times they didn't respond to email. So we through text messaging in there. And lo and behold, we got an unbelievable response rate. We got an open rate of 100% a response rate up in the 90s. And he was able to solve that part of his business and his close rate dropped. Uh, and that's where the idea for Hatch was born. And we said, you know, there's not, not a really good tool out there for these uh, home improvement and home remodelers to uh, put this thing on autopilot and really update their customers. So the experience they have feels very similar to Amazon. You know how when you order from Amazon, you get updated where it is and when it gets dropped off and a picture after it's there and how yeah. are you happy and a survey afterwards, like that experience we believe can happen for these guys too. So uh, how do they get in touch with you if, if they're interested in, in learning about this? I think the easiest way and the most simplest way is just to go to our website, go to use hatch app. That's usehatchapp.com. Uh, and then just check it out. Like, look at all the use cases, look at all of the scenarios, the testimonials, the videos. We've got our own sort of uh, video podcast on there. And I think that's where you just get educated, if not about Hatch, then about like what other people are doing to solve some of these problems. I think it's fascinating. Okay, great. So basically, to, to sum that up, your experience with this topic of the dark period started with this uh, Pella franchise that, or company that actually they were losing their clients in between the sale and the actual process of installing windows, I'm assuming. So from your viewpoint, what is this dark period? And I think 
um, in our other conversations, you mentioned that maybe some other people call it something else. I, I, I don't, maybe you can refer to that. Yeah, we hear it uh, referred to as the dark period, uh, which is essentially we're leaving customers in the dark, I think is where the name came from. Okay. And then there's something, there's something called white space, which is almost like white noise, which is like all these things are happening post-sale. Uh, but bottom line, it's just where a customer doesn't get communicated with or updated. And what we found, and this happened across the entire industry as we started to grow, was I'm a homeowner. I buy a window replacement, let's just say. Let's say the deal's $25,000. I'm investing in my home. It could be six, eight, ten weeks before that product gets delivered and installed. That six, ten, eight weeks is what we call the dark period, the white period, white space period, where, um, frankly, I don't hear from the person I bought from, and I just spent – a crazy amount of money, and I have no idea what's going on. I haven't heard from my sales rep. I haven't heard from the company themselves. In fact, I got another promotion in the mail asking me to buy more windows, which is weird. And <laughs> and so now I'm thinking, I'm thinking, wait a second, did I make the right decision? I could have bought a car. I could have sent the kid to college. I could have like I and and so you know that lack of communication left customers in the dark, and people. Don't recognize this, but like it's almost five to seven percent of all total sales every year canceled during this period. Wow! And it's that it's that emotional disconnection between spending a large amount of money and not getting the product. That like a kind of imagine buying a car and then being like, "Great, awesome Mercedes, come pick it up in four months." And you're like, <laughs> "What?" Yeah. <laughs> and so it's that same kind of thing. It's pretty interesting. So, so do you think, Chris, do you think this is sort of human nature or do you think that Amazon has spoiled us? Uh, Amazon's definitely spoiled us. However, I think something you said in, in the beginning was interesting where it's like uh, lack of information. Uh, if there's a space there, people are going to fill it up. And yeah. it's interesting. Like my kids do that a little bit. If yeah. I don't give them the whole picture about what's going on, They'll come up with an entire story around something happened. In fact, they end up blaming themselves. Some very interesting behaviors happen, and I think that's 100% true, which is, you know, uh, especially with high consideration or expensive, you know, investments. Like if I buy a yoga mat and I don't see it for a week, I might be all right. But, but you know, Bezos and crew, like we know where the yoga mat is. We know what color. We know what. We know if it's in Kentucky, then going to Goochland, then going to Richmond. Like it show, it tells me the whole path. And it's interesting. I buy windows, and I don't even know. And these guys don't a lot of times manufacture those windows, so they aren't updating the the customer when they're being delivered or any of that. And so I just think it's it, it is who we are, and it's only going to get more scrutinized as we go. It's part yeah. of our nature now. Yeah, yeah. And I think one of the things you're talking you're talking about windows, but one of the things that we're experiencing in the full line remodeling market is, right. is materials are just not as available as they used to be. And I can just see this whole thing becoming a bigger problem because not only did we think we could start in three weeks, so we, we're maybe not communicating, but then we find out materials are going to hold us up another two months and, and so forth like that. So that communication just becomes so much more critical uh, during that dark period. Well, have you, um, I mean, did you guys, I mean, the supply chain due to COVID, yeah. right. Has just ma made such an impact that, um, you know, w one of our partners, James Hardy, it used to be two to four weeks. It's now in some instances, six months. Yeah. 
you believe can you believe that tim like yeah. imagine getting a remodeling done and your siding wouldn't be there for a half a year so yeah it's almost it's almost like you know we used to take it for granted that you couldn't paint the house outside in the winter time and so we would what did we do we communicated with the client everything will be done but we won't be able to paint until springtime and everybody said okay and then yep. you know of course we had to had to argue about when spring was but anyway but then <laughs> but now it's siding now it's decking boards now it's tile yep. it's it's Everything. every aspect of a full line remodeling company so you mentioned something about the yoga mat and you know maybe the yoga mat's not such a big deal but the mercedes is a big deal do you feel like there's any correlation to the time frame of the dark period. In other words, if I'm sold the job on the 10th of March and it's going to start on the 20th of March, that that's not a big deal. But if it's not going to start till August, that becomes a big deal. Is there any in your research or your study, is there any correlation between the time period or is it just any period? Uh, I think there's definitely a correlation from the data that we've collected to size of the investment that the consumer is making and the expectation around communication. I mean, there is just no doubt. And so, you know, we see companies that do $100,000 remodeling jobs that the day after they, uh, our customers will send a text message with a link to more information on what to expect next as well as a, a text message the following week with a picture of the crew that you may be seeing looking around the house and gathering information. And so this type of clarity we see can really reduce, I don't want to call it buyer's remorse, Tim, but like the emotional disconnection once you spend that much money and then you don't get anything done. And so the correlation we see is just obviously the more investment that you make. But I also think that that's Started the expectation now because of COVID has accelerated it even to something small like a thousand dollars or five hundred dollars. I mean, just think about the amount of people that ordered groceries and got them delivered pre-COVID versus post-COVID. So even groceries, Tim, like you know where they are, you know that they're shopping, what they've picked up, what the store doesn't have, how to replace it for you, when it's in the car, and then when it's on your front step. Like that is groceries. So imagine a remodeling job. Yeah, Amazing. but Chris, Chris, the, the, the eggs are going to go bad if I just let, if I don't communicate. I mean, I'm creating exactly. these. I mean, nothing bad's going to happen if I don't communicate with you because the eggs won't spoil. But we, obviously, if they're delivering groceries, they're going to communicate. And I think that's kind of the idea. Hey, I got it, this it under control, Mr. Client. Don't you realize that I'm a professional? and that I'm doing my work, don't bother me with communication. I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, one of the key emotions here is excitement. You know, it's almost, I, I think that timeline, it's, a, it's an outlay of a lot of money. And I, it's almost like the time frame is in dog years because now they have this unbelievable kitchen that's about to happen or this addition that's about to happen. So just like you're excited in the seven days for the yoga mat, seems like an eternity, waiting for that project to start the anticipation, I think seems drawn out based on the excitement. So 
what types of things do you put in place? I mean, so we can't just ask our sales reps or project managers, hey, give them a call every week until yeah. the six months from now. So how do you keep that excitement and how does it work, I guess? Well, and it's funny too. Last thing I'll say about that is typically what we see too is there's a real aggressive approach to getting the deal done, multiple communications, lots of talking. And then once it's done, it's not there. That's another little bit of abandonment yeah. where somebody's like, what in the heck? I yeah. heard from you up to this point. Now I don't hear anything. So right. if you're going to do it on the upfront, do it on the back end. Um, okay. So the other question, just about like, what are we seeing people do around this? Um, and I think that's what we learned early on building our company was that one, have a playbook, write it down, write down your playbook, whatever that looks like. That could be, I'm going to communicate after day three, uh, after the sales done day 10 and day 11, regardless of what happens, I'm going to say, we got your back. We hear you. We're here for you. If you need us. Um, what we found is that people are busy. Uh, business owners are busy. Sales reps are busy, front office folks are busy, call center folks are busy. And so uh, part of what we built was automation triggered by either a date or an activity that the customer's going through. And we found that to work really, really well. For example, if a customer buys on the first and you don't expect to install them to the 30th, knowing that the 30th could get pushed to the next 15th of the following month, or it could happen earlier, is go ahead and schedule those touch points to let them know hey, this is what you to expect here. We got your back, uh, you know, send a text message on a Friday or, a, or an email on a Friday to update them. Um, and so put together your playbook and then secondly, look at automating it because it's almost impossible for humans to recreate that consistently. It's what we found. And, and, and I'm, I'm assuming Hatch does that, helps you automate that. I mean, again, uh, what other types of programs might do that for you? Is that like a contact, like a customer contact database type formats might do that as well? Yeah. I mean, what I would say if as a business owner, I'd start with your, your CRM. And when I, when I mean CRM and your, your, your listeners will know these names, like the market charts, the I360, the jobbers, the job progresses, Salesforce's, yeah. HubSpot's. Like these are all databases where you're keeping your customer information and your company lives to sort of store their data and keep updates on them, right? All the orders. That's a good place to start. Now, Hatch was born because those systems have limits. And uh, if you don't want to limit yourself, then you can buy an experienced platform like Hatch. Uh, but yes, ultimately, I would take my playbook and look toward and say, hey, can my CRM pull this off? Can it trigger all the things that I need it to? And can it do it easily enough where I can set this up? I'm not a software engineer or writer, so it needs to be easy enough for me to go in and right. change things appropriately. And then, yeah, and then I would look to those things and set it up. I mean, even a simple MailChimp, you know, something to set up to let customers know and then, and then um, set up automations that automatically go out where you don't have to remember to do something. Is there any benefit? Let, let, me, let me read before I get into that. So we've got a play, playbook and we put yes. that playbook into some kind of automation, okay? Is there any benefit to varied approaches, like you've already mentioned, uh, texting and what I've been, and you can tell me if I'm crazy, but what I've been trying to tell people is vary the approach. Sometimes it's a text. Sometimes it's an email. Sometimes it's a phone call. Sometimes it might even be a site visit where you pop by and leave a card on the table that says, Hey, I was here. 
you know, remeasuring your windows to make sure that they're exactly the right size when we order them. Is there any benefit to that varied? It would be for me. If I got an email from the yeah. company every week, I would go like, I wonder what program they're using, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I, you nailed it. And that's why in, in, in our company, we decided, I don't know, maybe three years ago, right after we first started was to make it omni-channel. Texting happens to be what consumers love. I mean, the the 90% open and response rate just totally makes sense. However, we've integrated um, email and voice and here's the data on it. So besides Hatch, just think about the data here. We have a, over a 98% deliverability and response rate when you uh, combine all three channels. So your assumption is right about the power of the different channels because if you leave someone a voicemail, then a follow-up email three days later, then a text message on a Saturday uh, confirming those things, it's so powerful. I mean, it's, it's, it is the Amazon experience. It's kind of what you're used to getting. You're, you see it on your app, you get it on your text message, and then you feel like, wow, this company's really taking care of me. I don't, I don't have to have any buyer's remorse here. Well, I, I, that's a great comment about Amazon because you know there's, they don't have 90 million people sitting in a building somewhere sending out a, a message. It's all done by a computer. And I, you know, again, duh, Tim, 63 years old, not a computer guy. I'm just realizing that right now. I mean, I knew it wasn't a person, but I'm always afraid that my clients will think it's not a person and, and they're not thinking that. I, I don't think so. And a lot of that's just the, the mind shift change of we're, we're used to it now, Tim, where maybe five years ago, actually, they yeah. probably were. But now, the, you know, and here's the thing. Make one of those touch points human. That's OK. Right. Like you can use your CRM or our platform to have a customized image like, you know, Amazon drops it off. They take an image of your package right at your doorstep so that, you know, it's there. Uh, it's OK to have that as part of the cadence, but you can't do it all. Right. Not not and not give the experience that, you know, we, that they, your you know, customers deserve. So why do you think again, I'd like to explore the mindset of the contractor for just a second? Why why does this this dark period even exist for the contractor? What's going on in your the way you see it? What's going on in their world, in their brain for so because for me. I have to see what causes me to not communicate in order for me to figure out how do I fix that. So I'm kind of fix wondering like, what's going on so that uh, they're not communicating. Well, for the majority of our customers, I don't think it's a symptom of, uh, I think everything's fine. I'm just going to keep going. The customer doesn't need to hear from me. I think it is literally uh, there's not, they run out of daylight, right? There's just not enough hours in the day to do everything you want. And when you start prioritizing sales and employees and shipments and installations and service and everything else, not to say this hits the back burner, but it may end up being number 12 on a list of 15 things. And you just don't get to it is what we find. Right. Uh, and so it doesn't happen consistently. Um, and, a lot of times, too, it's about maybe not knowing what to say, we find. So like in our, in our platform even, and in a lot of good sort of CRMs, there may be templates for you to start with to get you thinking about what do I actually want to say? Like if, I'm gonna, if I was out just three days ago, what the heck do I want to text them about? But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but, but you know what? A, a simple thank you and 
expected next steps actually buys you another two weeks of not thinking about taking that money elsewhere or, 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 you know, pulling back on that project. And then, so that's the playbook I was talking about, right? It's not just about number of touches. It's not just about the channel you're going to do it on. It's about what am I going to say? What do I actually say to somebody to make them continue to stay with me and stay loyal and refer me to their friends? That's the way I would think about it. Because if I do that, you build in sort of an, an organic inbound lead system just based on customer experience if you think it out and think through it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's so, so important. Cause I, because like I said, whenever I'm talking about this with a group, I'm always, you know, saying like maybe that first contact is only, like, Hey, here I am. I'm the production guy. Call me if you have any questions. And then the second one might be, we ordered all your cabinets. Just wanted to let you know that they're supposed to be delivered on this date. And Oh, by the way, we need to set up a pre-construction meeting. And then, you know, it just, having that list of things that could be, um, you know, talked about, I think is a really important uh, factor. So I'm not super familiar with CRM uh, programs, but maybe you can give me a little bit of help on this. Cause I'm looking at this and I'm going like, some of the people listening to this do $500,000 whole house remodels that require kitchens and bathrooms and, and windows and a lot of other things. And some of them are only doing kitchens, which has a very limited. And so if we're going to automate this process, do the CMR CRM, excuse me, uh, systems allow you like templates for this type of project and that type of project? Is that something that, that it does? Most of them don't. Uh, And it's sort of why we exist. It's why hatch came into play is that we recognize it was incredibly difficult for the everyday business owner to go in and spin one of these up and then make changes easily. Okay. Just it's now, now you will find some out there that do it now, but what CRMs are great at is housing that data. So, you know, as you're filling out a customer's proposal and you're collecting all the data on the phone number and the house and the measurements and the, and if you store your data in there, what that does, all that data is key to, alerting your customer on the next step, right? And that's what Amazon does a good job of, which is, you know, you buy the product, they have everything about you. They have your home and your, your cell phone number, but they also have what you're getting, where it is. And all that data together, uh, Tim, keeps you abreast of what's happening. You got to think about it the same way with your customer base. So CRMs are the perfect system to sort of house that data. That's how I would think about it. Wow. Yeah, this is so cool. And, and I, I was telling... Uh, Steve earlier that this has been such a big topic for me, such a big concept in my mind. And, and like I said, in the intro, when I do, you know, customer experience training for usually it's for project managers and lead carpenters and, you know, that, that part of the company, this is a place where I like to really land and talk about that experience because I know, I know that people are, are, you know, they worry, they worry about, they worry, did they spend the right (laughs) money? Did it, did we spend it in the right place? And like you suggested, there's somebody else coming along telling them they didn't, you know, in effect, they're telling like, you should have hired us. And uh, so, and then all of that relates to the experience that a carpenter has on site. 
because the clients got all this angst built up inside of them and they're worried. And then that carpenter gets bombarded with it because they happen bombarded. I totally agree with you. And if you go on Google and look at your local uh, builder or your local uh, carpenter Google reviews, it hurts to see some of the stuff that's on there about this person didn't get back to me or they never got back to me when in fact, they're just busy. They're, they're really good people, really great businesses. Right. They're just super busy and they're not thinking about the customer experience in a modern sort of way. And so um, if anything, if your listeners can take that away and like just put a playbook together, write down all the touch points, every time you need to tell a customer an update or that you'd like to. And if anything, you know, do it manually, right? Get somebody in the office to sort of do that manually. It is, I mean, you want to talk about cancel rates going from 5% to less than 1%. And that meant, you know, that meant almost a half a million dollars for my buddy. So right. it's a big deal. Chris, is there a scientific rhythm to what people need to be communicated? Like the amount that they need touches or is it really situational? Because you uh, mentioned well, modern and it just triggered to me. It's like maybe yep. there's an algorithm of sorts. Well, we, uh, we test a lot of data and we track everything response rates how many things are sent what are we saying sentiment uh reply rates the whole deal and what i would tell you is that um at least one touch point per week between the time something is sold to the time something is complete uh, we find is the bare minimum the the secret sauce we see is two two per week and whatever update that is, we don't see any real tie to sentiment. So even just a, hey, I'm the guy. Hey, second thing you can expect is a consultation next Friday. Uh, then sending a following message, uh, a voicemail from the owner thanking them for the business. Like just that simple stuff for the businesses that use us that can correlate that to sales and cancel rates. It really is about two a week. But you should shoot for at least one. Okay, cool. That, that great question, Steve, because that, that's a, a key, key thing in there. So we're going to wrap this up, Chris, but I got one more question. How do you yeah. diagnose that this is the problem? In other words, again, I work with a lot of remodeling companies and I hear a lot about the client from hell, you know, that they were just hard oh, to yeah. work with and they were just a nasty person and they, they stood and watched me work every second of every day and I, you know, blah, 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 blah. And many people don't go back and say, where did we lose this client? So any, any thoughts on how you would diagnose where this happens? Gosh, that is a really good question. I mean, if I can be 100% transparent with you, what we found, if you have a cancel rate that's high or you're hearing complaints about customers, my recommendation is, you know, and I do this with my company, look in the mirror. What is it about us that we're currently doing that we could potentially change? But what we find is that the experience starts the moment they submit their information to your company to get a quote. Right. That's the moment it starts. And so if you can communicate well from that moment forward, meaning text, they, even if they go to Home Advisor and they're like, you know, they're looking for somebody to come and take care of a project. They get reached out, 20, 30 guys reach out at one time. If you're that one company that does it quickly, consistently, says the right thing, and you do it from quote to sale to post, uh, 
you'll you'll make a difference in your business. You really will. Well, Chris, thank you so much for taking a little time out of your day. And uh, this, again, partly because you've been, you know, putting some data to things I believe already and I've been preaching for a while. But, uh, you know, but also because I know this is real stuff that our listeners are going to be able to really use uh, very, very quickly. Good. Tim, Steve, I've had a blast. This was really fun. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Thank you, Chris. Right, Take care. Yeah. Tim, I think the, you know, when, when we were looking at this topic and I started doing a little bit more research on Hatch, this is like, it's so obvious that this was an issue. And I look back at my own business and I was telling you a story before the podcast started, but man, this was, this really was an issue. And yes, I had a communication cadence, but after you get done that sales process and you land the job, there is a breath you take. And, you know, you, yep. you, you say shift time to produce. So you start thinking about materials and what has to happen. And it can be a lack of communication, although you're very busy on it. You're not busy in front of the client. And it was where things would, you know, potentially ruin a honeymoon, a honeymoon phase of excitement. So this is this was really awesome. And I'm excited that products like this exist. Yeah, I think one of the things that uh, comes up, and I don't know if anybody's like me, but I don't like it when someone uh, impugns my integrity. In other words, they think I might not be doing my job. And the idea that I have to report into a client, why should I have to do that? I mean, why should I have to tell them what's going on? Don't they trust me? Yeah. And, and if you have that attitude, you're in trouble. Yeah. You, you have to have the attitude that says, you know what? doesn't really matter what they think. I'm going to communicate with them because that's going to help them think good about me. The other thing that I think going along with what you said was just this idea that, and I, I know particularly for a production manager or a project manager, they have anywhere from four to 20 projects in progress that are in all kinds of different states of flux. And this new one, there is no firefight. There is no trauma on that job yet. And so communicating with the client takes a back seat. Whereas, boy, I better stay in touch with this client because this job could go badly very, very quickly because it's in progress. And so then as soon as they have that you know, initial job start, then they start communicating with the client. I think that's a huge mistake. I think they have to take just as much interest and time with that job that's just been handed off to them and start. And I believe that production needs to start communicating with the client at that point. Some companies keep the salesperson engaged, which is fine. Again, doesn't matter. You can have two people communicating, but I think production needs to pick it up during that dark period and start communicating with the client. Yeah, I think if we get granular with it, just somebody needs to communicate and you'll find out the best way to do it. All right, so we really wanna thank Chris Bates for joining us today. And we always thank you for listening to another episode of the Tim Fowler Show. And remember at the Tim Fowler Show, we're working hard to eliminate it is what it is from your vocabulary. This has been another episode of the Tim Fowler Show. Want to hire Tim and fast track your growth? 
Visit remodelersadvantage.com slash consulting to learn more. And if you'd like more information about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program, please send me an email at steve at remodelersadvantage.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.